I know for those of you at home, you uh, have your beautiful, cool time there. I know you're sipping your mint julep all the time, but uh, we've been out there in the heat, so uh, what a blessing to be able to be here inside. And I thank God for the faithfulness of this church. Faithfulness is really chronicled throughout Scripture. How do we live a faithful life? How do we maintain steadiness in an ever-changing world? One thing I think all of us know, if you have been a Christian for any length of time at all, you know that God has been faithful to you. He is a faithful God. How many would give testimony to that this morning? Amen, amen, praise God. He is a faithful God. God is so faithful. He is so faithful in His running of the world, His consistent and constant running of nature, that mankind can predict things, incredibly so. For example, I just read this week that uh, Voyager 2 is the longest-running NASA project. They launched it in 1977. What were you doing in 77? And for some, I know you were not doing anything. You were not here. But in 77, where were you? Well, they launched Voyager 2 to go out and eventually come to Saturn and Jupiter. Well, it not only went to Saturn and Jupiter, they just kept it going. And now for 43 years, it has visited several planets. It is on the edge of the solar system, our solar system, 20 billion miles. Folks, you talk about faithful they could count on exactly where those planets would be in 50 years. That's how faithful God is. He is so consistent. NASA can take a little rocket and shoot it to our moon, land a rover there on the surface of the moon within a 50-foot uh, little circle. Unbelievable how faithful God is. And because God has been so faithful, and because scientists have been able to examine that over the years, we see that uh, God, by His very actions, are faithful. Now, if that's true, and we know that it is, there's another thing that is equally true, and that is where God is faithful, humans, really, the lost mankind, are faithless. And sadly, even many times, we are faithless. Not too many years ago in America, a person's word was their bond. I mean, it could be a major deal, and people would just shake hands on it and secure millions of dollars. Historians say that faithfulness was such a hallmark, for example, of the early Roman Empire called the greatest ancient Roman or the largest, or excuse me, the greatest ancient civilization. They said that faithfulness in marriage was so common that for the first 700 years, there was not one divorce in 700 years. But here in America, our current Roman civilization, in the last 50 years, divorce has just gone skyrocketing. Same-sex marriage has come into our uh, country, and now for the first time this Christmas season, old Hallmark, those beautiful, you know, uh, feeling beautiful Hallmark movies, for the first time they're going to have a story about a same-sex couple. Folks, I'm telling you that whereas God is faithful, Faithlessness is at the core of our society. 
And we also know this, that faithfulness is not something we just stumble into. It's not an accident. Nobody just somehow just falls into faithfulness. It is something that takes effort. And it's not especially easy. And especially for those of you who've been married, you know, being faithful in marriage, it's not always the easiest thing or being faithful in a task. It's not always easy, but it is with God's power, it is certainly possible. We have been considering over the last few weeks what a faithful God we serve, and I've just so enjoyed uh, reading about God's faithfulness. I will tell you this, I don't think there's a doctrine of God's nature and of God's who He is that is any more encouraging to me about His unchanging faithfulness. Well, I want to commend each of you for your faithfulness. Uh, Boy, what a great group we had out here early this morning, and it was exciting. I mean, uh, Pastor Mike didn't know that, but while he was preaching, behind him off there in the horizon, big dark clouds, and lightning bolts were coming down. I thought, man, it's the power of God. That's like Moses up there. And, uh, but I tell you what, it was a great food. They just did a wonderful time. Let's show them our appreciation again. Awesome. Tell you what. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Tell you what, we, we take it for granted, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of work that goes into these kind of things like this. Thank God for them. Well, we have another reason for praise, a great victory report. Friday evening around 5 o'clock, a judge down in Los Angeles ruled in favor, one of the few victories churches have gotten from the court, such a liberal uh, court system here in the uh, West Coast, but uh, the, uh, Grace, the Grace Community Church there, led by John MacArthur there in Los Angeles County, a judge ruled in their favor saying that you may meet inside, you may meet uh, full, you don't have to have any restrictions, go back to church. And uh, I mean, unbelievable. Just praise God. What, uh, you know, it, it's interesting how each of these lawsuits takes their own little track, but this one, uh, the judge said this. He said, the government of California has shown favoritism to groups like Black Lives Matters and others who not only allow them to meet together, but actually encourage them, but discourage churches. And so thank God for that victory. We don't know uh, what that means uh, for the future here, but uh, we do know that it's forward by faith. And of course, we also know that once the Inclement weather comes, we really can't be outside anyway, so, uh, but thank God it's a great victory. It's not always easy to stand, is it? It's not always easy to be faithful, even to church. The story is told of a man who shipwrecked and actually, surprisingly, lived most of his adult life alone on an obscure island. No other human being was there. No one had really, as far as I know, never even set foot on this island. After many years of isolation, a ship came close by and a rescue party was sent ashore, welcomed by the man. And the man was so excited to see him all, he proceeded to show them all that uh, he had done there on that island. He pointed to a small log cabin. He said, that's my house. I made it with my own two hands. And then he showed him a second bill and he said, that's my church. And I built it with my own two hands. Then there was another little church or another little building over there, and he, they said, "What's that building?" He said, "Well, that's the church I used to go to." 
You know, that's just about how faithful some of us have been. I tell you what, it's not easy. I will tell you, at the beginning of this whole coronavirus, I thought, man, good night. Uh, I, who knows what the next six months holds for our church. But look at you folks have been so faithful. And online, thank you. Hundreds every week. And I bless you. Thank you not only for your emails and your support and your financial support. Thank you. I know uh, whenever you possibly can, you'll be here with us. Let's, uh, let's pray this morning and let's ask God to just uh, help us to be that faithful Christian. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for your grace and thank you for the victory, Lord, that you gave uh, that great church down there in Southern California. Lord, I pray that you will just give churches the courage and pastors and people the courage to uh, do what they should do, Lord. And uh, Lord, we thank you for your grace and strength and safety and protection. Lord, we pray you continue to do so, not only from the, the government, Lord, but from this virus. And we just thank you for those that are out there. We pray that, Lord, you will just help them, those first responders and others. God, just be with them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. All right. We have been on an exciting journey at the study of faithfulness. What is it that you want from God? I want a faithful God. Sometimes you have somebody at work, you know, boy, I mean, they are just unbelievable skills, amazing in how they can do things. But if they never show up, what good is it? You know what? I mean, God is amazing. He talk about skills, but if he never shows up for us, what good is God? I'm glad that God is faithful. And so we saw him as the model of faithfulness. And now this morning, the meaning of faithfulness. And as the weeks go by, motivations for faithfulness, the means of faithfulness, the message of faithfulness, and a manifestation of faithfulness. What is the word faithful? In the New Testament, the most common word is the Greek word pistis. We also find that word meaning to believe or actually even part of the word to get saved. William Barclay says, uh, New Testament commentator says that it means trustworthy or reliable or, in fact, loyal. Uh, Spiros Zodhides said that it means fidelity or loyalty to a king, allegiance, fealty. And so uh, the Old Testament word means loyalty. The New Testament word means trustworthy or really uh, loyalty. And so we're going to look at faithfulness as loyalty this morning. And I think that's a good word because loyalty is something that maybe uh, sticks in our mind a little bit more. We have an idea what it means to be loyal to a nation or loyal to your word or loyal to a marriage. Loyalty to God. What does it mean? Well, in four different areas we want to look at this morning. First of all, in Scripture, loyalty in our adherence. Our adherence, that is, our adherence to truth. A loyal person is a dogged advocate for the Word of God, for truth. There's a great example in Numbers chapter 12, verse 7. Numbers chapter 12, verse 7, it says, My servant Moses is not so. He is faithful in all mine house. There's a great, great statement, a great message about Moses. Basically, what this was is God was publicly giving Moses the Medal of Honor. This man was a faithful man. What precipitated such an honor? Well, God had called Moses to lead. It wasn't especially his idea, but God said, Moses, you are going to lead my people. 
out of the land of Egypt. And for some reason, the green-eyed monster just crawled up inside of his older sister, Miriam, whatever reason. I mean, she was a fine young lady and really had helped to capture him out of the water there. And so what had happened over the years, I'm not sure, but for some reason she got jealous and she began to uh, say enough that it kind of went over to her brother, Aaron, the older brother. And so Miriam and Aaron were showing their jealousy. They, uh, like anybody, they have their talking points. And by the way, if you ever talk to somebody and they have a critical word about a person or about something or even about a church or pastor, you can be sure they're going to have a talking point and it'll be very, you know, believable in their own mind. And I'm sure that Miriam and Aaron had their own believable kind of concept. They said, uh, first of all, they said Moses shouldn't have married Zipporah because she was a foreigner. And unfortunately, uh, their nationalism, which can be good, their nationalism had kind of rolled over to prejudice. And so she's, they said, you shouldn't have married Zipporah. The second thing that they said was that they said that you are monopolizing power. It was a false accusation. Moses wasn't monopolizing at all. He was just listening to God, making decisions. But they said, you shouldn't have picked all those leaders by yourself. You should have uh, shared with us and given us the right to do so. Well, God was not hop- happy with Miriam, and he was not happy with Aaron as well. And so God told him. He said, okay, let me just, let me just and that's verse 7 there. He said, I'm going to tell you something about this deal. I, uh, I love you, Miriam. I've provided for you all these years. I care about you, but I will tell you, you are no Moses. And Aaron, you are no Moses. I mean, you're good people, but you're no Moses. And the difference is not because I love Moses anymore, but because Moses is a faithful man. He is faithful to the word. When I tell him something, he does it. He is faithful to the word of God. And when a person is adheres to the word of God and they're faithful to the word of God, that makes them a loyal person. I recently read a quote from the cadet prayer. You may have heard it. It is reportedly repeated every Sunday at West Point in chapel. Listen to this, powerful. Make us choose harder right instead of the easier wrong. Listen to that. Help us choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong. Never be contented with half-truth when whole truth can be won. Endow us with courage that is born of loyalty to all that is noble and worthy, meaning truth, that scorns to compromise with vice and injustice and knows no fear when right and truth are in jeopardy. Loyalty to the truth. Another shining example is Abraham. Abraham was a man of faithfulness to the truth. We find a wonderful prayer recorded for us in the book of Nehemiah. It was the prayer of Levites during an amazing revival. And Abraham's faithfulness had cast such a long, uh, a long shadow that hundreds of years later, during the time of Nehemiah, they were talking about the loyalty of Abraham to truth. 
And here's what they said. Look at verse 7, Nehemiah 7 or 9, verse 7. Thou art the Lord God who did choose Abram. By the way, he chose him and spoke to him. He gave him the word. Moses or Abram had to be faithful to the word and brought us to him out of Ur of the Chaldees, gavest him the name Abraham, father of many nations. And look at verse 8. I love it. I love this statement. And found his heart faithful. And found his heart faithful before thee and made a covenant with him. God makes covenant with people who are faithful. I will bless you and I will take care of you. God entered into a blood covenant with Abraham because he knew Abraham was a kind of a guy whose heart was faithful. Not just some surface, you know, if it's convenient type of thing, but no, from the heart he loved the truth. I love Beth Nielsen Chapman's beautiful poem, romantic marriage poem. My heart uh, was uh, so blessed as I read it. It's called Faithful Heart. What more can one life ask? One hand to hold along life's path. Share with me this vow, and for all time, our souls will be entwined. I give this love. I live this love. No greater joy is mine. Storms will come, but we will never part. For each of us bequeath a faithful heart. Isn't that beautiful? Each of us are giving to each other a faithful heart. I promise to you a faithful heart. You talk about a person with a faithful heart. Daniel was a great example of a man who stood for truth in the midst of a political cesspool. This man was an oak tree of integrity in a very difficult situation. Daniel was the Mike Pence of the Babylonian Empire. I mean to tell you, he was a man who stood for truth. I love what I uh, read about uh, Mike Pence, and he's proved it to be true. When he was uh, elected as vice president, he said, I will tell you one thing, I am a Christian, I am a conservative, and I am a Republican, and friends, it is in that order. I am a Republican, unashamed, I'm a conservative, but number one, I am a follower of Christ. I'm a, that's, I'm telling you, what we thank God for, who, loyal to the king, yes, Daniel said, I'm loyal to the king, but never misunderstand, I am first loyal to God. Jehovah God. Look at Daniel chapter 6 and verse 4. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. You could say the senators, people in the house sought to find occasion. Oh, they're just so honest. Oh, my friend, don't imagine that it's an honest seeking. They're seeking to find something concerning Daniel in the kingdom, but they could find no occasion nor fault. Why? Because he was faithful. He was faithful, and neither was there any error or fault found in him. Imagine that. Someone watching you so closely that we can't, we can't pin anything on this guy except for his faith in God. He was so zealously truthful The only way they were going to find anything against him is because he served Jehovah God. It is recorded that when Hitler began to 
interfering with the Christian churches, not only the Jewish population, but also the Christian churches. Hitler and his uh, Third Reich hated Christianity. They began to interfere with any church that was preaching the gospel from the Bible. One loyal German pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, also a theologian, he began to resist and peacefully protest. By the way, every Sunday we kid about it, but really this is a peaceful protest. It is. And, we're, uh, and, and I, I use the word peaceful in quotes because we are not peaceful to the devil, I will tell you that for sure. I was thinking that when we were singing that first song, I was kicking the devil every which way during that song, Jesus the great commander, get out of here devil, get off of this property right now. And uh, he didn't like that, I'm sure, but uh, I love it when Jesus was there in the gospels and he just said, get out of here, Satan. Just like kicking away an old stray dog, get out of here and uh, get out of here to you dog. And that's what he was like. Well, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, loyal, faithful Christian, he refused to participate in the state churches and succumb to the governor's, uh, government's uh, concepts there, the Fuhrer's demands. Several of the pastors in Bonhoeffer's friends, they said, you, you need to calm down. You need to cooperate or else you're not going to be able to, to preach. And he said, these famous words. He said, my friend, one act of obedience is better than 1,000 sermons. One act of obedience is, speaks louder than 1,000 sermons. And he eventually paid for his convictions with his life because he said, I am going to be loyal to the Bible, loyal to the truth. I'm going to adhere to the truth no matter what. And I can say after six decades, I've noticed something in my life very consistently. Loyalty to the truth shows up in your elbows. I've noticed that. It shows up in your elbows. It just is displayed very clearly in your elbows. You say, your elbows? Yep. Because I've noticed that everybody's mouth says one thing, but it's our actual doing of it that makes the difference. And that's exactly what Solomon said in a lot better way. In Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. Their mouth just spews out all kinds of things. But a man who is faithful, who can find? Isn't that a, both a, an exciting but a, just a, a damning kind of verse? A faithful man who can find? A faithful woman, who can find? Many people claim to have all oh, goodness and love and niceness and care about us, and yet a faithful man, who can find? I can tell you one thing. I, my heart goes out to the Christian businessmen and women of our community and our church here. Uh, we've had this big project uh, going for several years now, really the whole campus for a long time. And, but for the most part, we've done a lot of work ourselves and uh, but occasionally we have to uh, have someone come in and do something or make something. And I will tell you that, uh, and overall it's been good and hallelujah, it's really close. And thank God it looks like maybe uh, November we'll be in there. But, uh, but yet with all of that said, I will tell you, it is honestly, I would have to say it's rare for a person to do what they say, when they say it, 
at the time. I mean, it's just rare. If they say they'll be there Monday, you can pretty much count they won't be there Monday. If they say that it'll be done this way, you can pretty much count it's just not going to be done that way. Because we, we live in a faithless world. Everyone proclaims their own goodness, and salesmen are happy to tell you everything. But the actual doing of it, the elbows, you know, is one thing. The mouth is quite another. A faithful man, who can find? In fact, in Scripture, loyalty is so connected to truth that it's actually used interchangeably. In the Old Testament, the word emet, uh, a hundred times is used as truthful, and five times it is used as faithful. One good example of that is in Proverbs 29, verse 14, the king that emet, or a hundred times it's translated as truthfully, in this place it's called faithfully, the king that faithfully judged the poor, that is, he adheres to the truth of the law, and he judges the poor. His throne shall be established forever. Faithful to truth over political correctness. That's what that verse is saying. Faithful to truth over political correctness. God said that kind of person that adheres to the truth is faithful to the things of God. Loyalty means nothing unless at its heart it has absolute adherence to the truth. It's been said that the path of faithfulness is the product of a life committed to the truth of God's Word. The great reformer Martin Luther, uh, who we owe really a great uh, debt to for uh, just uh, the faith of our even modern evangelical uh, movement, Martin Luther, uh, a former Catholic priest who came out of Roman Catholicism, he, uh, he just stood for God was a great reformer. And back in those days, you could actually lose your life for going against the, the government or going against the church, uh, the state church. And they asked him at one point, will you recant? Will you recant for these things you've been saying about the Pope and about the government? He said, I will not. I will not. He said, I, here I stand I can do no other. They said, you must recant. He said, I can't. And I, I've loved this statement all my life. He said, I am a prisoner of truth. I can't do anything about it because the truth of God's word has so become part of my DNA, I can't do anything else. I am a prisoner of truth. Loyalty means I will be faithful to the word of God no matter what. Will you? Friend, will you be faithful to the Word of God no matter what? Will you adhere to the truth of God's Word no matter what? That's loyalty. That's faithfulness. Number one, loyalty in adherence. Number two, it is loyalty in diligence. Loyalty to your service for God. So many have a one and done. I did there. I've been there, done that. I'm done. Others have a, hey, I gave it the office kind of concept. No, Faithful service is year after year. Faithful service is decade after decade serving the Lord. One of the greatest New Testament examples, and yet little known, is a man by the name of Gaius. Turn to 3 John. We say 3 John verse 5 because it doesn't have a second chapter, but 3 John verse 5, beloved. John loves that phrase, love and beloved. Three times in this passage he calls um, people, or Gaius, beloved. 
Why? Because he, he was such a faithful servant. Beloved, thou dost faithfully when you do to the brethren and to strangers which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. This is perhaps John's most personal of all his epistles. First John and Second John are powerful epistles. But Third John, very personal. In fact, Third John is so personal, many people have questioned, uh, many theologians have questioned whether it should be actually included in the canon of Scripture. But once you begin reading through chapter, this chapter, you just know, oh man, it is amazing. So filled with, the, with God and the things of God. And here he is saying that Gaius is, my, is a beloved man because of his faithful doing. What was he so faithful about doing? Well, it says right there, he helped the saints. He had a hospitality ministry. You got to remember now, back in that day, they didn't have Motel 6s or Hilton's or, you know, uh, Holiday Inn's. If anybody wanted to travel from one place to the other, and they needed to stay overnight, which was necessary because he took a long time to get there, and they had to have some place to stay. And so it was incumbent upon Christians to open their home. Well, some people didn't want to open their home. Others would say, you know, go on down the street. But God's people needed to help God's people. That's why it says in one place, we ought to be good to all people, but especially unto the household of faith. And so uh, he was so faithful in his serving that notice what it says in verse 7, a visiting, or verse 6, a pastor got up. One of these visiting pastors, one of these visiting Christians got up in the assembly of the church, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church. So they probably had a testimony meeting, kind of like we do at certain times, and sometimes in Sunday school we'll have our little victory reports, and someone stood up there and said, you know what, I just want to give a good report about Gaius. This man opened his home to our entire family and my donkey too. I mean, he put my donkey out there and his, they fed him and gave him water. And I just want to say, thank God for Gaius. We would have been sleeping out there next to a rock. And um, Paul was, or excuse me, John was holding up Gaius saying, this man is a faithful brother because of his hospitality, not his preaching, not his teaching, not his singing, but his hospitality, just feeding people and clothing people and helping people and then notice what John said, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, or meaning when you do the same thing, you are serving in a manner like God would do. A godly sort means that's a very godly thing to do, to open your home and to feed somebody and to help them. And notice what it says, thou shalt do well. Thou shalt do well. If you go on later down in that chapter, in verse number eight, it says, and let me tell you what happens. You become a fellow helper to the truth. Don't you love that statement? A fellow helper of the truth. All of us may not be able to go to India. I mean, as hot as it's been lately, I don't think I could go to India for very long. I'd fly in, you know, and be in a little air-conditioned bubble the whole time, but it just doesn't work that way. Thank God for Brother Mike going there and Sister Linda. Now, what God is saying here is that we should be a helper of the truth by 
assisting others. And that's why I hope we get behind this offering here today and bless Pastor Mike and bless all of our missionaries that are out there and others who are in the Lord's work. And by the way, I just want to say thank you for your support of the ministry here and your always support of the pastoral staff. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we all expect loyalty from people in our lives. We expect loyalty from the stuff in our lives. And that's what we want. We want loyalty. We want something that serves faithfully. If a car starts only once every three tries, it's not reliable. Uh, It's a VW. (laughs) If a mail or package, uh, you know, they uh, skip uh, every other day or so, well, (laughs) it's not faithful. It's the USPS. But anyway, um, but that's what's going on. We, We want things that are faithful and loyal and you know, that's what PG&E expects of us. They want uh, our faithful payment every month. And if we don't do so, we're going to get in big trouble. And that's what God wants from us. And when we only go to church once every month or once every few months, what kind of is that saying? You know, we expect faithfulness from everybody else. Well, I think we ought to be faithful to God. And may God help us to have faithful not only in our adherence to the truth, but in our diligence to our service to God, just being in church and being there to support or to help people. That's what God is telling us to do. Number three, loyalty, not only in adherence to the truth, not only in diligence and our service to God, but in reverence to the name of God. A faithful Christian is loyal to the name of God. You know, genuine reverence Oh, it was a very reverent place to be. Sometimes people lie, it's the idea of a reverent uh, as going to some cathedral, lighting a candle, and then going over and praying to, God, to Mary. Friends, that's not, that's just a, a little, uh, some little story we do, because praying to Mary as God, folks, friends, that's a, that's a sad thing to do to the name of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, we have a great song. This is the song of Moses. I love this passage. It is one of the 10 songs that every Hebrew learns. This is the song of Moses. It is a farewell sermon. Moses is super old. Our daughter Abigail just graduated from nursing school, just uh, got her uh, pastor at NCLEX, and then, praise the Lord, just got hired at St. Joseph's. We're proud of her. But um, she was telling me when she was going through school, they have classifications for old people. There's people that are kind of old, or I forget her terminology. Then there's old, and then there's super old. <laughs> well, Moses was super old. I mean, he was uh, over 100 years old, and he sings this great song of instruction. Now, I love singing. And I, there's something special about a young person singing. Uh, there's something encouraging, knowing that they're coming up and I see Josh up here playing those drums that just encourages my heart. But I will tell you, there is nothing quite so special as an old person singing. Have you thought about that? I, was, uh, I remember seeing a little clip, and I hope we can play it here. It's just about 45 seconds. But this is uh, George Beverly Shea, famous uh, soloist for the Billy Graham Crusade. He's 103, and he's singing. <laughs> oh, Lord, 
Isn't that a blessing? Praise God. Hallelujah. 103. <laughs> That's what I want to be doing at 103. I want to be singing right there in that new building. I got to thinking if, if you're the pastor, Luke, uh, I'd be 103, you'd be 80. And uh, <laughs> we'd probably both be in wheelchairs. Up there. Dad, I think it's time to stop. And... Uh, <laughs> All right. But anyway, let's go to Deuteronomy 32, this great song, this old song, the song of Moses. Psalm 32, verse 3, because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness unto our God, treat his name with respect, for he is a rock, he's faithful, his work is perfect, his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. We can't make God better, but we can certainly just talk about how good he is, how good he is. Have you ever thought about really how often we disrespect the name of God? You know, Muslims would never, in their wildest thoughts, say anything bad about Muhammad, ever. Even a backslidden Muslim, if there is such a thing, and they sort of are, but a backslidden Muslim would never even dare disrespect the name of Muhammad. And yet regularly, I'll hear Christians say, Jesus Christ, or I'll hear them say, GD, my friend, what a disrespect for our great God. Folks, we are to be loyal to the name of God, loyal to His name. We ought to respect His name and sing His name and praise His name. And I think we ought to use every opportunity that we possibly can instead of just simply saying, isn't it beautiful weather? Isn't God good to give us this weather? When we taste a peach that's so delicious, someone gave us some peaches the other day, Peeled that thing. I'm not kidding. You. I was thinking our brother down here from Ripon. Well, I peeled that thing, and man, goodness gracious! Like I, that is an amazing. God is good to give us that peach, folks. We ought to just say God's good to give us this, and God's good. That's respecting His name. That's letting everybody know around us God gave us this day. God gave us this blessing. It's just not. You know, I'm a happy person, and I'm happy because I'm happy, and I'm happy. I'm just really happy, and I'm a happy person because I'm so happy, and I'm happy. And uh, why are you happy? Because God has done that for you, and God has done that for me. Be loyal to his name. God is a rock, it says here. He's no flip-flopper. He's no Kamala Harris. He's a rock. He's someone who can, you can stand on. He's someone that doesn't change with the wind. And now our God is faithful. <clears throat> Isaiah 25 and verse 1. You notice how I throw those things in there quick? It's Isaiah 25 and verse 1. O Lord, thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name. That's why I'm sure one of these days we're going to get kicked off of YouTube. I just know it. He's off. 
For thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels, I guarantee it, if they win in, the, in November, I'm done. I'm gone. And then you might as well just forget it. Psalm, or Isaiah 25, verse 1. O Lord, thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name. Why am I going to praise your name? Because you've done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. You're so faithful. Your name says it. Have you ever thought about how many, time, how many names are of God in Scripture? Now, you may have never actually thought about this. I did one day because years ago, I was reading where it says we're to pray in the name of Jesus. Now, I knew that meant more than just at the end of your prayer saying, in the name of Jesus, we ask this. I, I, I knew it meant more than that. I began to study it, and I realized that we're supposed to pray in the attribute of his name, meaning because you're a rock, God, you need to make my marriage solid. Because you're wise, you need to give me wisdom. So you pray after his name. So I said, if that's important to do, I'm going to find every name of God in Scripture. So I set out to do it, and I put them on little three by five cards, put a little verse with it, had kind of a little prayer time. Each week, I'd have a different name of God. I got to 300 names, and I think I wore myself out. But anyway, I prayed in the name of God for 300... I later found out one theologian says there's 995 names of God in Scripture. When you take all the compound names like I am the resurrection, you know, I am the life, you know, I am the door. So if you take all those compound names, 995, I think you probably could find five more. Ought to be a thousand in there for sure. But look at the great Pauline epistle, Titus chapter 2, verse 10. Talk about the name of God. Not purloining, not sure what that is, but it sounds bad. Not purloining, don't ever do that, folks. I'm tired of it. Not purloining, but showing, it just means dishonesty, by the way. Not purloining, but shewing all good fidelity. That's loyalty. Paul said, be loyal, that they may adorn the doctrine of God. He said, you ought to be loyal because you become the adorning of God. You become Basically, that means makeup. You just, you just take something that's so good and you just make it look better. Now, my dear wife over here is a very beautiful lady. I will tell you, she is a beautiful lady. One day we went into a jewelry store. She was actually in there looking around. I went down a couple doors to the golf store and she went to the jewelry store. I went to the golf store. After I had finished uh, what I did, I went into the jewelry store. I was looking for a pretty good sized store. Couldn't see her easily, so I, the lady met me at the front. and She said, uh, sir, are you looking for something? I said, I am looking for my hot wife. And uh, she laughed. She said, all right. She went back to the, uh, to the, oh, the, the speaker and said, will, uh, will the hot wife please go to the front? There's your husband is out there. And uh, five ladies showed up. But anyway, no. <laughs> No, it was my wife. She'd come over there, and she was embarrassed because she knew who would say something stupid like that. And um, well, one day we were in our dressing room uh, upstairs, and uh, I looked over at her vanity, and she has all of her little makeup things there. And then I saw her secret why she is so gorgeous. Folks, there are things on that vanity that I have no idea that uh, any man would ever know about. I mean, there's paintbrushes, and there are uh, all kinds of, there's a caulking gun, and uh, there's all kinds of, I mean, there are stuff right there. 
And I mean, there are apparatuses, there's plumpers and pinchers and pluckers. And uh, I mean, you name, there's, I cannot believe how many things to be all one vanity. And I looked at, and, but you know what? No wonder when she comes out of that dressing room, whoo, talk about gorgeous. I mean, you talk about hot. She's a five alarm fire then. She comes out of there. I was, get the fire extinguisher. That girl right there. Now, folks, God wants us to be uh, his five alarm fire. We are, to, we are to adorn the gospel because we're so beautiful for God. We have, we're his makeup. We're supposed to go out there in this world because of our great attitude and our adherence to the truth and serving God and to proclaiming his name that we just make God look so good. And he is good. People say, I, you know, I just don't want to, you know, oversell, folks. I mean, trust me, you can never oversell God. <laughs> because if I said the most, uh, a million per, uh, superlatives about God, it wouldn't even come close to how good, good God is. People say, oh, he just is always talking about God. That's because God is so good. His name is amazing. Loyalty and adherence, loyalty and diligence, loyalty and reverence to his name. And then finally, loyalty and perseverance. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 2. What an amazing passage. I love the book of Hebrews. You've got to keep your thinking cap on about you. But uh, probably Paul, the great author, human author, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. Here Paul is arguing that Jesus Christ is worthy of every title of giving. Look at verse 1, verse 2. He says, Jesus is an apostle. He is the real apostle. Jesus is the high priest of our profession. He is the Christ. He is the anointed ones. And so Paul is saying, here is who our God is. And then in verse 3, or verse 2, he said, as also Moses was, faithful in all his house. Now we might say, what's God saying? To the Jewish people, as we might imagine, it's the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is written to the Jewish people. He was saying to them, guess what? Jesus is faithful. He is as faithful, in fact, he is more faithful than Moses. What? Every follower of Judaism said, what? That is our father. That is our, Moses is their man. Mighty Moses, that's their man. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is mightier than Moses because he is more faithful than Moses. And I will tell you, Moses was God's faithful servant. He was there when he called him. And that's what we want when we, we, want, an, we want an instrument, we want a tool that's faithful, that's there. When we go to the uh, kitchen cabinet or pull out the drawer, we want that little screwdriver. We want something that's faithful. God wants us to be ready and to be there for him. And when we are faithful to God's name and we're faithful to his truth and when we're faithful to just keep in and hanging in there. That's what Moses was. He was faithful through thick and through thin. Moses was faithful. He was loyal. He just kept on going. A farmer can go out there and, you know, any kind of faithfulness that there's God's part and there's our part. My part is just to be faithful. God's part is to give the increase. That's what Paul said. Some water, some plant. God gives the increase. A farmer you know, plants, and he makes sure that everything's done right, puts the water there. But ultimately, God has to grow that crop. The same thing with a doctor. A doctor can cut, and he can do this and that, give some medicine, but ultimately, it's God that does the healing. 
And really, that's the case it is with all of us. You know, faithfulness is just doing what's right, doing it week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, and leaving the results with God. It's being steady. Exodus chapter 17, verse 12, tells us a great story of a man who was faithful to the end, steady. Exodus 17, verse 12, Moses' hands were heavy. He felt like quitting. So they took a stone and put it under him. He sat there on, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. Aaron had gotten his head squared. He stayed up his hands, and the one on the one side and the other on the other. His hands were steady until the going down of the sun. <laughs> I love it. They were steady. His hands were steady. His hands were faithful. Old Moses just kept on keeping on. Folks, we can't change people. We can't always change our circumstances. But we can let God change them. We can be steady. Now, I can be smart, but I can't be omniscient. I can be there, but I can't be omnipresent. I can work hard, even give 110%, but only God is omnipotent. The point being that when we serve God, we just give it our all, and then we leave the results with God. Perseverance. Loyalty is long haul. The Christian life is a long haul. Never go into a marriage thinking we'll see how it works. Like a prenuptial agreement. What? Why would you need such a thing? You mean the plan is to break apart? No, you never go into a relationship like that. You go in saying, nope, we're in this for the long haul. And that's what the Christian life is. We do our best, leave the results with God. It is said that there was a senator touring Calcutta back in the day with Mother Teresa. He was visiting the House of Nang, as it was known, where sick children were cared for in their last days. There a dispensary was where the poor would line up by the hundreds to receive medical attention. And he watched Mother Teresa minister to these people day after day, hour after hour, nursing these who others left to die. He was overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of the uh, job that she was doing. And he said to her, how can you bear the load without being crushed by the lack of success? Mother Teresa replied the famous words, you've heard them. My dear Senator, I am not called to be successful. I am called to be faithful. I am called to be faithful. Perseverance. We just keep on keeping on. I know that over the years, someone has asked, well, are you going to build that building by faith? Are you going to build it by cash? I said, yep. They said, well, what, what if you don't get it done? I said, well, it's going to be an awful long time then because we're still going to, we're not going to, we're not going to bow to that to worldly way. We're going to just keep doing the right thing and somehow, some way, God will make it happen. And if not, we'll just be faithful. We'll just be faithful. And by God's grace, he has certainly done that. Faithful Christians often serve in fields where they don't feel very f successful, and yet God blesses their faithfulness. I close with this uh, beautiful story. There was an elderly preacher years ago up in a beautiful little kirk in Scotland. This uh, faithful preacher served year after year with not a lot of success. One Sunday morning, before the morning service, of course, he was rebuked by one of the deacons. Pastor, 
Something must be wrong with your preaching and work. This last year, there was only one person added to the church, and he is just a boy. The minister listened, his eyes moistened, his thin hands trembled. He said, brother, I feel it all. I do. But God only knows I've tried to do my duty. On that very same day, the minister's heart was so heavy. He finished his message and feeling a very strong inclination to just resign. He had not been so successful as he thought. But after everyone left, there was one little boy that came up, Bobby. And he said to the pastor, he said, Pastor, do you think if I worked really hard, I could become a preacher? I could become a missionary? Tears welled up in the minister's eyes and said, Robert, I know that's true. And I see God's hand in your life. And put his hands on this little boy and prayed a prayer blessing that God would bless him and do so mightily. That little boy, Bobby, was Robert Moffat, the great missionary to Africa who brought so much of uh, what was called Rwanda, north there of South Africa, to Christ, and in fact uh, was uh, David Livingston's father-in-law, Robert Moffat, won to Christ by a faithful, but maybe not so successful, at least from man's eyes, pastor. I think our prayer today ought to be this, God, help me to be faithful. You've given me so many gifts. You've given me so much ability. You've given me so many opportunities. God, I'll be faithful. I'll be faithful to the truth. I will honor your name. I will faithfully serve you. And God, with your grace, I'll just keep hanging in there. I'll just keep going. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed here this morning. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. What is a faithful life? It means adhering to the truth. And it means just being there for the long haul. Lord, I'll serve you no matter what happens, faithfulness. Moses was faithful, and Daniel was faithful, and Abraham was faithful, and Gaius was faithful. Jesus was faithful. Will God find us faithful? It is required in servants that they be found